Hey, um, so can you edit? There's a part I said. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of editing. Yeah, <laughs> so can, I, I, I There's know. a lot of rambling and a lot of us blank staring at each other thinking <laughs> that the other's about to say something. <laughs> so <laughs> like that whole thing where you leaned across, I was like, are you trying to tell me something right now? <laughs> right. That's the part I wanted you to cut out. So there's a part no, you, definitely you're like, you're out. leaning across. And I was like, no, my stomach was making this weird noise and I didn't That's want to. That's why I restarted <laughs> my sentence so that I can make a cut. <laughs> I'm Tom Wright, a photographer and the sales manager at the Columbus, Ohio Photo and Video Specialty Store, Midwest Photo. Hey, I'm Kevin Deskins, a photographer and the director of marketing at Midwest Photo. Twice a month, we're going to host this podcast to share news, interesting articles, gear opinions, tips, and sometimes guests. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it might get strange because together we're two, two weird, weird camera, camera beards. beards. <laughs> we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor Rode Microphones Rode is an Australian based company with a great US team making quality consumer and professional audio equipment here at Two Weird Camera Beards Tom and I host the show using two Rode pod mics and a Rodecaster Pro for mixing and stings if you're interested in Rode audio equipment Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller and you can find their equipment to purchase or learn more by going to mpex.com and searching Rode that's M-P-E-X dot com. Search R-O-D-E. And a special thank you to Ray Sherlow for our intro music and all of the other music that you hear when we're not talking. If you dig his tunes like I do, head over to his Bandcamp page. It's raysherlow.bandcamp.com. If you have any uh, difficulty with the spelling, don't worry. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thanks, Ray. So let's get what a weirdo. My uh, that sounded like a natural transition. Now, didn't it? <laughs> Great segue. Um, okay, so last week we talked about uh, film. Uh, we talked about uh, shooting. Wait, it wasn't what? No, no, we week. talked about our bags. Bags, bags, bags. I am behind a whole bags, week there. Bags, bags, All right, so uh, we do need to do some housekeeping here. So our housekeeping. You're going to forget that again. No, I'm not. <laughs> Anywho, our house, <laughs> we have a correction from the last episode. Uh, actually, we have a, a, a correction from our we, first episode. <laughs> we still have, we're still working on the first episode for you guys, making <laughs> sure that that's completely <laughs> accurate to everything we said. Oh my gosh. This, this, if you get past this beginning, we we're apl- sorry. We applaud you. <laughs> All right. Our correction, our correction comes from, uh, it was either episode one or episode two, and we have to apologize. And I'm sure Maddie will correct us and have her hides for this. We'll have a correction for the next episode about this week's correction. Yep. So the correction to the correction. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Matt Marash, uh, our film and darkroom specialist here at Midwest Photo, Christopher Gilbert, your friendly neighborhood Fujifilm tech rep, who is our Fujifilm tech rep uh, that lives nearby uh, here 
in Columbus, Ohio. Where exactly does <laughs> I'm not going to tell you exactly where he lives, you creep. <laughs> and then Connor Quinn. Uh, <laughs> Tom's losing it over there. A special oh shout-out to Connor Quinn, who has been uh, been listening with us uh, here for a while. Connor's a, a young, very talented photographer. Our correction is this. The Fuji X-T3 and the X-T4 both shoot 4K 60 frames per second. At some point, somewhere, we said that the, the X-T3, X-T4 shoot 4K 30. 30. And 1080-60 right. is what we said. Yeah. But now we know it shoots 4K 60. Nice. So thanks. Thanks uh, for... Thanks, Connor. Uh, Connor, Christopher... And it's at... 43 connor on instagram go check him out he does great photography as well definitely for sure um and then i do also want to point out that we now are listed on all major podcasting platforms tom we are that's rad that's a big move apple podcasts google podcasts soundcloud stitcher spotify amazon music and I can't remember the last one. I was going to say, you're going to get to the end of this list and you're going to think of another one later and add it on or something. Yeah. So in any case, Google, Amazon, Apple, We're Spotify. Everywhere. We're out there. We are taking over the internets. So when you hit the link on uh, Instagram, the link in bio for Two Weird Camera Beards, does it show all of those? We have a Podlink. So there's a website called Podlink, and we'll mm-hmm. list this in the show notes. But Podlink has a link, and you go to that link, and it will show you our podcast on all of those platforms. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, cool. it's, it's it's kind of like a tree system where it, it just takes you to a, a website, and then you can pick out which platform you'd like to listen right. to podcasts on. Um, so there's the train. There's, there's the notorious Midwest Photo Columbus, Ohio train right here off the corner of Weber and 71. There we go. Um, so what's up, Tom? How's life? It's been good. I, uh, spent some time outside today. My allergies have been going crazy lately. The, 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 I think they call it the fake fall and this next week should be second summer and then maybe real fall after that. For those who are listening from not Ohio, Ohio is notorious for its weather changes, abrupt, abrupt weather changes. It's real fun for my for my sinuses and allergies yeah. and yeah all that. I think the joke goes, if you're in Ohio and you don't care for the weather, wait a day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something, totally. Something along those lines. Yeah. Right? What about you? How have you and Ashley been? You guys do anything fun today? Um, today, no. We we saw my parents, and she has been that's great decorating quite a bit around the uh, home because of Halloween. We we really only recognize two big holidays, and that's Halloween and Christmas. Okay, uh, we are both crazy about both holidays. Um, so it's very Nightmare Before Christmas kind of family. Um, n- the two holidays that are covered in that movie. N- n- no, not not Halloween really. and Christmas. We don't have any uh, night Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, uh, but that that movie's Halloween and Christmas. It is. It is. Yeah. But but so. But you this... don't. That's not your aesthetic, though. No, no. Our, I can't gotcha. even describe the aesthetic. I, always, I mean, you sent a picture of a flamingo skeleton the other day. And I do like, have what a flamingo. Is that? And anybody who loves flamingos know that's, knows that my obsession with flamingos comes from another podcast called Every Little Thing from Gimlet Media, which is owned by Spotify. But uh, shout out to uh, Every Little Thing and Flora Lickman and their team. But they have a whole 
like three episodes on flamingos and how fascinating this bird that's is. That's crazy. So you have to listen to that. We'll okay. link that episode too. I like I like that episode a whole lot. I think cool. it's interesting. And I'll be talking about some podcasts here a little bit later too. Dope. Uh, and then this week we want to talk about something that's a little off the beaten path when it comes to photography, and that's the willingness to fail. Yeah. Um, whether that's in life or in photography or just the inevitability of failure. And um, with that said, I kind of think we should just dive right into it. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? We could just fail at it, you know? <laughs> we got to be willing. Yeah. We got to be willing. Yeah. Trial and failure. Er, tra- trial and error. Yeah, trial and error. Ah, trial and failure. Failures. Well, the, no. <laughs> at fr- if at first you don't succeed at the phrase. Try, try again. There we go. Yeah. What's the what's the Edison quote? The first thousand times or whatever he failed at making a light bulb gave him all of the ways to not make a light bulb properly. I think we're gonna upset something some, like that. Upset some Edison versus we're, Tesla. Yeah, folks we're out real there. great at like not memorizing not not quoting things properly. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Uh, do you want me to get started with my uh, interesting finds or my, my philosophies on this and, and what I've come to a conclusion on? Or do you want to get started with yours? So we each have three. Yeah, we do. You want to go 1v1? Uh, actually, mine are pretty tied to each other. Let, how about you go first, go through all of your three, and then I'll go through mine. Uh, so mine are kind of the three are are together. And it kind of is this thing that I was talking to, to Maddie, our executive producer, about and how I wanted to elaborate on it. Um, but the first is actually a quote from um, it is it's complicated how the quote works. So this is directly from Walter Isaacson's biography on Steve Jobs. Uh, love him. Hate him. He is an icon of business technology. Um, who steve jobs or no steve jobs yes yeah, steve, okay. steve jobs so regardless of what you think of him in this book is is eye-opening and just very transparent about who he is as a person both i'm not gonna lie i wrote a bad i wrote a paper on steve jobs and steve wozniak for mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. and in college at some point that book was released and it was gifted to me and i never read it but <sighs> i consumed everything steve jobs oh, Tommy, and was gotta read it in high school because it was Fascinating to me. I'm not, More so Woz than Jobs. Yeah, Wozniak's definitely an interesting character. Jobs yeah. uh, is equally fascinating in both personality, technology, and in business. Sure. Um, and again, good and bad. Like he he can is equally terrible as 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 he was brilliant. So sure. Um, just saying all that though, uh, putting aside any kind of opinion, the 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 biography is by Walter Isaacson. Mm-hmm. He interviewed Steve. This was the official biography. So there was a bunch of other biographies. This was the official one. Mm. And uh, Isaacson interviewed Jobs uh, kind of in his his last year of his life to complete this biography. And in it, Jobs explains uh, his coaching by the CEO who took over after they had gotten investors and everything at Apple, uh, Mike Markula. Is that when... Steve Jobs went to uh, Next. No, computers? that's that's before he founded Next. So okay. imagine you know that him and Waz started up in in the garage, and gotcha. then they're looking for investors. Their first investor, or one of their first investors, is uh, the future CEO Mike Markula. We're going pretty deep into this like right. Apple history right now. I dig it. So um, the thing that Markula uh, uh, coached Jobs on, and one of the things that he said that Jobs recalled was quote, 
His values were much aligned with mine. He emphasized that you should never start a company with the goal of getting rich. Your goal should be making something you believe in and making a company that will last. Mm. Okay, so he's talking to Jobs about if you if you want to create something that will last in people's minds and that will make you happy, you have to put aside the idea of it making you rich, right? Yeah. Now, this is the exact opposite of why some people get into business. Now, yeah. you could be starting they a They look photo- at the numbers and the profitability exactly. and all of that, yeah. So my this, I feel like, is a golden rule of starting a company. If you're starting a, a videography service or a photo business or an, a freelance editing business or a podcast or whatever it is, your goal should be like the first thing that comes into your mind should not be how rich is this going to make me? It should be, is this going to make me happy? Is this something that I believe in? Do I find this to be impactful to even a small group of people that will enjoy it? So yeah. I Can find- we talk about that for a second. Sure. So I think that that is important to be, to be confident in your, uh, in the product and like your enthusiasm to create some, create something that is big and like important. But I think it's also important to know what that is worth and to also like know when to ask for the money that you know that like, that you know it's worth, but it's also like that you know that you need to live off of this product. Right. No. And I totally agree. Which I think, a lot of photographers kind of struggle with. Yeah, and I and I think that that is kind of buried within the and within the quote that Jobs recalled from Markula is that uh, you should be making something that you believe in and making a company that will last. Now, mm. if it's gonna last, you've got to believe in the product, and if you believe in the product, then you know it's worth value, and that's very much yeah. buried in there under like an intention of mm-hmm. that philosophy. Now, I will then point to uh, a 2018 article and survey by Guyton Financial um, on the state of small business. So Hmm. when people are chasing dreams, when people are thinking about uh, starting a company, making it last, making it something that you believe in and that you enjoy, they, of course, as you said, they need that capital. They need that startup. They need something. You got to take care of yourself. Right. You got to have money to make ends meet, to invest in the equipment, whatever it might be to to make the company happen. Um, And 22% of, uh, at that time, so according to this 2017 State of Small Business, uh, which was published in 2018, uh, only 22% of business owners, small business owners, took alternatives traditional borrowing. So there's different ways of borrowing money, and only 22% hmm. of them took alternatives, which means 80, roughly 80% of small businesses. That can be something as small as a camera store to, or something as small as a photo, like a single person photo Could business, be restaurants. or or a you know a 20 person restaurant, whatever. Roughly yeah. 80% of them take on a traditional loan. Yeah. Now, car repair shops, right. things like that. So when you're taking, it's fine to take those loans, but it can it can run away from you if you take on too much debt, which leads into decreased profits and pressures to make ends meet, and then ultimately, mm-hmm. if your finances are managed poorly, the ultimate death of the business. Right. Well, and it's also mm-hmm. if you're, I don't know, I I struggle to comment like there's things that i think that are that seem very straightforward and logical about like approaching that issue but it's also that's a very complex thing to try to approach 
when I myself hasn't haven't had employee like you know what I mean I haven't yeah. run I I haven't owned a business right. that has employees and that has to like I don't know that and has to make sure that you're making payroll and stuff like that too right so think about it so here's here's where I come to my third my third point so you've got this philosophy that you want to build something that's meaningful that mm-hmm. makes you happy that's going to last and on the other hand you need this uh this capital to make it go Mm -hmm. and you're going to take on something in order to make it go, whether that's a sacrifice in your life or a loan at a bank, either Mm -hmm. way. Um, and as you're saying here, like if I'm starting something like that, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to like making payroll and doing this and doing that. And you're going to do everything. Like, you know, you're going to do everything in your power to mitigate the risk of you not knowing or being over your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but of course that's only a mitigation of risk. It's not an elimination of risk. Sure. So my point is if you're going to adopt both that you need to be prepared to start a business and you also need to make sure that your business makes you happy and will last eventually a percentage of business startups are going to fail. It's inevitable, which is the whole thing. Yeah, it's a little bit of a gamble. Willingness to fail. You have to be ready to allow everything to just fall apart in front of you. Right. And that's that's the risk of of business. But which is why like the smallest of photographers, Mm -hmm. you should definitely get an LLC at the very least. Oh, for sure. Protect yourself. Yeah. Because that protects you the person from the business, the business's, uh, sec- like f- risk of failing. Yeah. That's the LL part. The LLC limited yeah. liability. There you go. Um, but all that to say, so if it's inevitable, mm-hmm. how do so many businesses succeed, especially when we see businesses that have succeeded under the leadership of those that have failed. And this mm-hmm. is where I come to, uh, my ultimate philosophy of business is that you must adapt or that you are going to die in, mm-hmm. a, in a business sense. Mm-hmm. And this is, um, if, so if you're going to take on both and you're going to allow that, that, that even small percentage of risk, you have to adopt a little bit of Darwinism. And I bring up you a quote. You have to learn from your mistakes, essentially, is what R- you're saying. Right, you're adapting. And so I bring up a quote from uh, Leon Megason, who is a professor of uh, was a professor of management and marketing at Louisiana State, uh, who wrote in this journal that I will cite in the show notes. Um, he was extrapolating lessons from Darwinism, and said, "It is not the most intellectual of the species that survives. It is not the strongest that survives. But the species that survives is the one that is able to adapt and adjust to a changing environment in which it finds itself." Now remember. This is Leon Magasin, who is a professor of management and marketing at Louisiana State, who is extrapolating a philosophy of Darwinism. They're not talking about uh, uh, actual species. They're talking about a business. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about marketing and, and business management here. So yeah. even they are saying, look, and I'm kind of extrapolating kind of a, something out of this, and I'm, I'm assuming the intentions of, of Megasin. Um if you're going to go into business, you're going to have a small percentage of risk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that risk will, uh, you'll hit the small percentage that will make you fail. And if you're going to fail, you have to get back up because if you don't adapt and mm-hmm. learn from the past, then you're just going to keep repeating yeah. that failure. And you have to be willing to fail, but you also have to be willing to adapt. Yeah. And I think part of that too is recognizing uh, the risk 
and the potential of like when you do succeed, uh, just kind of recognizing, is this risk worth, worth, worth like in going down that road? Yeah. Like, I mean, let's say you do succeed, even if you do, are you, is it going to make up for everything that you've lost to that, whether that's time, energy, uh, all that kind of stuff, money. Yep. Um, that's really interesting. Yes. I, like, so I'm kind of dumbfounded, honestly. Like I like <laughs> so we we went into this episode. I didn't share like the links that I had. Well, I guess I shared the links with you, but I I didn't look over yours. I don't know if you looked over mine at all. I didn't. Um. So like you went kind of down a completely different rabbit hole here. You're approaching this episode of willingness to fail within the context of photography, video, uh, and that sort of thing, and but taking it on head on with like a suit with, with business. And mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. And like kind of, so I think that that's really helpful for photographers to like self evaluate, mm-hmm. like what does your situation look like and is it worth it? And are you taking like, is the main risk you're taking a career in photography or is the main risk that you're taking I'm like, while doing this main career in photography, are you taking other healthy risks to make sure that you're staying ahead of the game within your career? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I dig that. <laughs> like, I just kind of, I don't even know if I want to talk about my stuff now. I kind of no, want to sit do. here you and got, think, got, I want to sit here and think about this for a little bit. <laughs> That's rad. Yep. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add to those or anything of like I'm, I mean, how you've dealt with that in the past or anything? You've had um, a lot more time to kind of sit with this information that you're sharing. No. Yeah. I think, um, I, I, I think, or do you want to share that later with, yeah, your... let's, let's share that later when we talk about like our, our opinions on things. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I want to okay. hear, I want to hear what you got though. So I kind of came at this from a completely different standpoint. Um, I came for, I came at this more of like when I, when I graduated college, I went to OSU for photo with a minor in design, uh, like really with a focus in design with photography, like with like how photography sits within the context of other design and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I, the articles that I picked, I think more or less kind of show, what like these are things that I kind of fixated on when I had my first real job out of college, when I first was kind of going from like job to career in my mindset in terms of taking my work more seriously and having a longer term picture in my mind of what I wanted things to be. And uh, the first the first uh, couple that I've got are actually from Tom Sachs. If you don't know Tom Sachs, it's it's Sachs spelled S A C H S. We'll link it up in the bi- in the we'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, but Tom Sachs, his studio, he's a he's an artist in uh, New York City, who kind of goes down the road of it's very contemporary art, uh, and he's looking at consumerism and branding and all of that and how it affects us and its relation to fine art like fine art, capital F, capital A kind of thing, like stuff that sits in the MoMA, Mm -hmm. playing with all of this, these weird things within society and within consumerism uh, and fine art and stuff like that. But 
Um, the other way you may have recognized, though, if if you recognize his name, you may not recognize it from. That's actually Tom Sack Studio is where Casey Neistat and Van Neistat, his yeah, yeah. brother, actually got started in videography. Yeah, I remember. Now I remember you, you telling me about this last week. Yeah, right? so the two of them, like Casey's video like career, kind of got started in Tom Sack Studio because Tom Sachs essentially allowed them a lot more free reign to things. And Casey Neistat actually is very directly related to these links uh, because he, he created these videos and directed them and wrote them and all that with his brother Van. Uh, the first video is uh, a video literally instru- like giving instruction on how to sweep a floor and how to approach that problem. And I kind of, I got a kick out of that straight out of college just because on the surface flat value, it's how to sweep a floor. Who doesn't know how to sweep a floor? But more than that, it's how to start something where you don't know where to start. Let's say, like, it's literally how to, like, the video is a, a gentleman sweeping a big auditorium floor or a big uh, gym floor. Like, if you're looking across this giant gym floor, where the heck do you start? Do you start where you're standing? Do you stop and start in the opposite corner and work your way towards the door? And that sort of thing. And it's also, it, it very directly shows you how to work within a space with set guidelines and how to properly problem solve and where to put your kind of creativity and where to not put it. If there are systems in place you shouldn't trample those. Like if you're not if you're not supposed to go in a certain area, if you're not like, I don't know. You should stick to certain guidelines and maybe not dump the dump the dustpan in the recycling bin or something like that. Um, it's very straightforward. I don't think that I need to talk any more about it. The next one is actually a series of videos uh, called Ten Bullets. This one is actually. Uh, I think I'm going to change it on the fly. So the one that I linked originally was uh, Love Letter to Plywood, which is a great video. Just like if you're unfamiliar with any of these videos, they're very Wes Anderson kind of looking and stuff like that. I really dig the aesthetic and kind of the tempo of them. Like, the yeah, they're very, they've got very... Uh, it, that and they're like very reminiscent of nice dad's early work um, yeah prior to him. jump cuts stuff like that jump cuts uh overhead kind of writing with very like messy lettering yeah and uh it, it even it even follows his like organizational style too yeah um and this is which i would say all of that is because of tom Sachs. yeah for sure like, I've, I've tom, heard... it's really tom Sachs aesthetic but like if you look at so the tin bullets videos if you watch them, they're actually uh, – you can see parts of them were shot in Casey Neistat's studio that he used to vlog in. I think he's in L.A. now. But, yeah, it's kind of it, – yeah, the, the whole slogan of the 10 Bullets videos is it won't fail because of me. And knowing, like, kind of that, – that was super big in me starting out within my career of knowing – of, like, wanting – to not be the weak link, not wanting to be the reason that this thing isn't going to succeed and wanting to give it every reason to succeed. And then it kind of like the 10 bullets videos, the, those, they go over the fundamentals and all of that, which is like communication, safe and clean work environments, working on working to the rules already in place. Like I said, 
not deviating when like so that things don't fit together later and stuff like that uh i just i think it's awesome and i think it's awesome that a lot of these videos look like internal videos that tom Sachs would say okay this is part of your training these are the guidelines to go by to succeed in my studio and the rules that i need you to follow so that we're so that my art, the, the art that my name is on in the gallery all looks to brand, but also so that all of the people that are working here are safe and, and compatible and all that stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like I just rambled a lot. No, you didn't at all. That's, I, no? the, the Tom Sachs stuff is, to me is fascinating. The, yeah. way, the way that he like processes information, but also uh, kind of... Uh, you're right. It's like an internal training yeah. video. Like you've worked at Starbucks as well, right? right. We both worked at Starbucks. Right. Um, I remember watching on the store's crummy laptop in the back office, all of these videos on how to ring people out on mm. the touchscreen and all that stuff. And this looks like if an artist who had a pretty grungy, pretty, I don't know. There's there's a pretty rough aesthetic to it. If mm. he made those videos for his studio, that's this is exactly what they would be. Yeah. And I will warn you guys that I would not watch them with kids around. There is some like it is fine art. There's some sexuality. There's some some crude language and stuff like that. Some bad, some like just reference. I mean, there's he he even pulls from things like Full Metal Jacket and stuff like that. Where I mean, I don't even think a lot of that movie could get made today. Um, because of the language and the things that are said in that boot keep boot boot camp kind of scene. My my other my other uh, point of reference here is actually it's this one is actually kid friendly and I would recommend like high school junior high kids even taking a listen just because I think this is important for it was important for me to hear especially when like my first job out of college I was working at another camera store that primarily dealt with used gear. I was the lighting specialist, so I was in a, in a musty basement resoldering uh, power cables to, uh, to big keg lights, 1K and 2K watt tungsten lights. And, I mean, I wasn't having a great time, but I think that things like this gave me a bigger perspective on what this would be what the work that I was doing now could mean later if I invested myself fully. And uh, this link is to an Adam Savage podcast. Uh, it's, it's back when he called it the Adam Savage, or the untitled, the Adam Savage project. And this one is titled work ethic. And could you click that link? Cause I want to see yeah. when that, what year that's from. Uh, but it, it literally is about how work ethic affects your ability to succeed within a healthy work environment. This and is a podcast from 2013. Yeah. So, yeah. So February 5th, 2013. Uh, and he also has one not that much later. I would recommend going back and just listening to the first 20 episodes hmm. of this podcast. If you're, if you're wanting some inspiration and some, like, especially if you're starting out in your career, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, cause he has a podcast on crummy jobs, uh, a podcast on dream jobs that he's had. And some of the dream jobs are terrible actual jobs, but the people and the, the like 
finished objective was what made them. And I think that that's important. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I would definitely, I'm definitely going to be exploring this Adam Savage podcast that it looks like he has a, actually a, a few, um, but this one looks really interesting. I definitely want to give this a listen afterwards. Yeah. Um, nice Tom. Yeah. I feel like I just talked for an hour. You didn't. You, you <laughs> talked as long as me. Uh, so let's, uh, I mean, do you have a, you have a particular, uh, I think we should just kind of like talk about a, a particular story. If we could, if we could find a brief story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have one that comes to top of mind. Uh, I, I, do you, do you have anything that? Yeah. What's yeah. up? So you mind talking for a little bit? Do I? Yeah, sure. No yeah. problem. Yeah. I, I, I'll go through my, uh, mine is, is, is like the, how I got started at Midwest photo. Right? Oh, okay. It, it's actually a failure story. So like this really? is, this is, yeah, this is something that, uh, I don't think a lot of people here, like, unless you, and you've been here for a while at Midwest photo, you, you might not know this story. Um, so when Mo- so when Moisha was looking for somebody, he didn't have that many options when oh, he no. brought you back or, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is uh, this is when I originally started Midwest Photo, like way back in the day. Uh, How many times have you started at Midwest Photo? <laughs> <laughs> so funny, John. Uh, so yeah, I'd say it was definitely a failure point. A point. I um, I had was going through college. I had been well into my uh, photo program. Mm. I uh, got a job working for a photo studio, a portrait studio. And I had no idea which direction my photo career was going to take me. I kind of thought for a while, like, oh, I'll do products. Like, products would be really cool to, like, Mm -hmm. style them and to, you know, like... Photographing products. Yeah, yeah. or food even. Like, thinking about, like, the food photographers that come in. And, and, you know, I know half the stuff is fake. But think about the food photographer that has to work with the art stylist who's like, bring me a palette of... Uh, hamburger buns because we're doing this big Mac commercial <laughs> like that just that stuff sounded really cool to yeah me. so I had you no just idea. wanted a palette of hamburger buns yeah I mean honestly if we're yeah if you're gonna hand me a, a yeah. that's a lot of hamburger buns yeah anyway <laughs> I'm sorry I'm so sorry you're fine. so I uh had been working for this photo studio I uh ended up uh leaving um and going out on my own and freelancing because I had an agreement with the owner of the studio that I mm. wasn't going to do any moonlighting. Um, it's kind of the, mm. the terms of how, how it was there. And I was fine with it. I was happy with what I was photographing for a while. And then what uh, were you photographing? Portraits there? mostly, okay. you know, we're talking engaged couples, seniors, families. Okay. Um, there was even a point where we got into like a pet photographer, like high end pet photography. Huh. And that, that was kind of cool. Um, so that that went on for a while. I ended up going freelance because I had uh, some people, you know, kind of on the side that were just like, "Hey, I, you know, I know you do photography." That whole, whole the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, I know you do photography. And it, like at first, it was like, "Yeah, I do," but you know, I'm working for a studio. If you want, if you want photo work, then you know, have to book me through there. And um, that went on and on and on. And then finally, I mm. thought, you know, let's let's go ahead and take it out a little bit. Yeah. So let's give it a shot. I went freelance and that worked for a while and then not so much. Uh, okay. I wasn't good at budgeting was, wasn't good at budgeting. And then at that, that point I was just like, I wasn't making money and winter was upon me and with no studio that just wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, so I went to the place where I bought my photo equipment. 
I had been applying at Midwest for a while. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. In fact, I had I had applied at other camera stores in in Ohio and with with no luck. Huh. Uh, but Midwest was kind of like the the gold standard. Like yeah. if I'm be, if I'm in retrospect being totally unbiased, like if that was the place I wanted to work because really, yeah, everybody's friendly. Uh, I knew Sonny because he knew my uh, Sonny Jones, our Canon specialist, who still works here. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great dude. He's awesome. Uh, he went to high school, hung out with one of my professors in college. Huh. Uh, they were friends and and did skateboarding and and took photographs and all of that. That's cool. So I I knew some folks here and. Um, I had been applying and I had emailed in and I had gotten, you know, our hiring at this point. And then eventually I just kind of kept bugging. And I, yeah. and one day I, I ended up bugging Ken Lewis. Yeah. Who's, who's my boss now. Yeah. <laughs> and the VP, but you know, he at the time was, I think the sales floor manager and, um, he gave me a chance, you know, he gave me a chance at a time when I could work, uh, almost full time, like not even full time. And huh. then I, uh, I was going through school, so I had a weird schedule and I wasn't yeah. very consistent. And uh, sales I, floor, uh, yeah. And I remember him interviewing me for the sales floor in the back uh, office, yeah. uh, ba- uh, Stu's back office, and the phone was ringing on the up. high street. Yep, on, yeah. the, on the high street with the squeaky floors, and and, yeah. and the floor, the phone was ringing off the hook. Like, yeah. Oh, and he, I think uh, him and him and the other manager there just looked at me and he said, "Are are you really ready for this? Because this is this is what we do here. Like the phone, yeah. the phone rings, you." people pick it up and sometimes it rings off the hook because so many people are yeah asking about photo equipment or whatever sure like, yeah sure i'm ready to, i'm ready to try this out and i had i had no sales experience sure no, like <laughs> besides like starbucks right yeah i mean like retail stuff which like big box like i'd worked yeah. for target and i worked for starbucks and i had like right i had done these things and and Where so you clock in and clock out and yeah, that's kind of, yeah yeah um but sales was a whole new whole new thing and then it, yeah, the rest was history i i I got more hours. I helped out more. I, you know, did these things. And then the lighting specialist left. So I took that role on and then it kind of paralleled well with, with my college life. Cause then I started yeah. special, like going to more lighting classes and trying to figure that yeah. out so I could hone my professional career. And then, yeah, here I am. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was out of failure that I got my job at Midwest photo. That's cool. Um, which is really, if you look back at the last 10 years of my life, it's like, if I wouldn't have that failure right then, like if somebody would have said, here's a free studio for a year, you can shoot out of that, you can shoot whatever you want, so long as you, you know, you're know you bringing in at least a, a, a shot, a, a shoot a week. Um, and I was I started to make money that way. This would have, I would have not been sitting here yeah. doing this well, podcast. Well, I think... I think people that get into photography and people that get into and a lot of freelance roles, like I, I think that it's a special kind of person that that is, like you were saying, very adaptive. Like mm-hmm. kind of tying it back to your articles that you were talking about. You're going to do everything you can to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I think that photographers specifically, and I think that I don't know. Even if somebody said, here's your studio, you would have made something work. You sure. would have made something happen. That's the, that's well, going back to what I said earlier. It's, it's being able to adapt to your environment. Right. Yeah. And so I adapted to my environment Yeah. and I'm doing something I absolutely love now. Yeah. So what, well, you know, I wanted to get into marketing. Here I am yeah. director of marketing Yeah. <laughs> and I love photography and it's, you know, marketing and photography. So yeah. it's really cool. Well, and I think that with a lot of our customers that we see every single day, a lot of the photographers within the Columbus and Central Ohio community of photographers Mm -hmm. and videographers and all that, like 
COVID has been kind of that winter for a lot of them to figure out like for what sure. is like I've seen so many photographers and videographers diversify and shoot things that they've never shot before yeah or try something that they've never tried before and the the thing that I see most common in and all of those people that do succeed is they they ask like they see potential and then figure it out like they say yes and figure it out Mm-hmm. and see like the gear is there all of these resources exist exist and you it's up to you to kind of make that work yep. too yep and yeah i would say like the i would say that i'm really happy that i think that we're one of those big resources in terms of not even in terms of what we sell people but just in terms of two people meeting in the shop that you may never like like you may not know each other, but you're f- shooting very similar things yeah. and you can having that w- network and knowing each other and like bouncing ideas off each other is, is yep. awesome. I love that. For sure. Okay. Hit me. My, my turn. Yep. All right. I'm not going to cut that chair squeak out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the time, like talking about willingness to fail in, uh, having failed in the past like this is legit just a failure story Mm -hmm. um i shoot for a guy in town fairly frequently his name is rob rob mccormick i'm gonna go ahead and give him a shout out because he's an awesome photographer yep he does great work i I, he's taught me so much throughout the years having shot with him and and all of that um one of the first events that i shot with him and i he primarily shoots events and as do i he does do a lot of studio and portrait work as well but we had shot an event together and i was i mean i'm not even going to say second shooting because there are times where the events that he's organizing are so large that he's got four to ten photographers sometimes working with him on that to cover it completely Mm -hmm. and uh there was an event that I shot with him and I got a call later that day. Like he was uh, like his workflow is insane. He usually delivers like the next day sometimes for these, Mm -hmm. for these events, which is insane. Um, but I got a call that night and he told me a good amount of the pictures that I had taken. Like he looked at the metadata and everything he confirmed. It's no one else. Just mine were unusable. (sighs) And it was something silly. It was something silly oh, like no. I had shot a bunch of group photos at 2.8 or something oh. so that like the people in the back were out of focus, but the people in the front were in focus. But it was so gut-wrenching. I didn't know what to say. Like yeah. I, I told him, like I apologized profusely and I told him it was one of the first, like the first event that I shot with him was one of the first events that I had ever shot. And he knew that he knew that, but he knew that I was going to school for photography, that I was confident in it. Yeah. And that there was also like room to grow and a huge upside that if I kept shooting with him, that I would definitely like, if we developed a good relationship that benefits both of us. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what to say to him. So like I, I told him on the phone, I was like, I am so sorry about this. I don't know. There's no way for me to fix this. We can't redo this event for me to reshoot this. Yeah. 
but I told him that this is something, this is something that I'm very passionate about. This is something that I want to keep doing. And I will literally shoot with him for free if he needs me to, to keep, to get to the point where he can use me repeatedly because it is something that I want to keep doing. Uh huh. And, and you, you're promised that you're not going to shoot a two point out for group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was rough, man. Yeah. Oh man. Cause, and I got off the phone and like, I don't think I slept at all that night. And it was just like gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, it, it, just so we could back up a little bit for folks who might not understand, uh, shooting a group at F 2.8, you could have a really shallow depth of field and thus, uh, you're only going to get a very slim, uh, you know, acceptable depth, uh, focus. So if you look at a picture of, let's say a flower and the background's blurred out and the foreground's blurred out, but the flowers in the middle, but the flower in the middle is in focus. That's what my pictures of these people looked like. And the second row was not in focus. So it's not something that could even be Photoshopped back into existence. You can't turn it to black and white to fix it. Like it's grain or something like that. It's it's out of focus. Yeah. Out of focus. It's just trash. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Which we ended up, he kept like, I did shoot events with him after that. And I still like, I shoot with events with him to this day. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was like, I knew that when I told him that I would do it for free until he was confident in me again, like at that moment, he was like, no dude, I'm going to pay you. I pay for, I pay the people who work for me. I'm not going to do that. That's cool of him. And he was just like, I just need you to know that that had a huge impact on me and my business. Yeah. As someone who's got a family. Yeah. And needs to pay his, like, pay bills to keep his family going. Yep. Um, but yeah, and I like I and definitely guys, learned you, from that. Right, and we like you guys have a good relationship now, we have and you sh- spectacular. Like and, I love Rob. Yeah, and, and you've shot again since then. Of yeah, yeah. That was I mean I've shot for him Not since that. like 2015. I guess it's five years. Yeah, yeah. man, math. Let me tell you. But yeah, it. Yeah, that was a big kind of learning point on how how important those fundamentals, but also how important it is to be completely present in those moments when you are, when you are shooting and stuff like that. Yeah. And how to deal with like, how do you deal with a client when you let them down like that? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do to fix that for somebody? And you've got to have some idea because it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It happens to the best people. You like, you have a memory card that fails or something. Yep. Like, what do you, what do you have in place that's going to, like it, there's nothing that's going to fix some of those mistakes, but what do you have in, in place that is going to satisfy the customer that you're that you're doing your absolute best to make sure that those things don't happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And so I, I guess to that, kind of on the the lesson side, tips and tricks, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to what I what I am saying is, uh, and kind of uh, I see what Tom's saying here too. In business, if you're if you're gonna start a small business, if you have a small business, uh, there's a level of risk that you're gonna take on. That's just the part of being in business. Now you can mitigate those things left and right. You know, having an LLC to protect yourself and your assets. 
uh, making plans and contingencies should your equipment fail mm-hmm. um, or if you fail renting uh, with, a backup with, camera yeah renting a backup camera um, having insurance having insurance or having a warranty uh, which you know we we sell warranties here that are their equivalent yeah. to insurance right the yeah. mac the mac warranties yeah. that we have here i would i would call uh, yeah i would i wouldn't even really call them warranties they're more drops and spills kind of coverage yeah and like they're essentially insurance without a deductible right yeah so you, you're gonna have a level of risk try mm-hmm. to mitigate it as as much as possible but accept that you will fail yeah whether that's small whether that's big you're gonna fail and what you can do my recommendation my tip or trick if you will is to adapt you know find a silver lining find out how you can turn it around find out what you can do better you know and and find out how you one can rectify the situation and two uh use it to do to grow to to do better next time or to grow right exactly yeah you shouldn't like yeah, that like you should be willing to take those chances because had I never done that, I wouldn't have ever gotten into event photography. Yeah, like the, I wouldn't have found the men, the like the mentor and Rob that to make me the photographer that I am that makes me fearless for every type of event space and stuff like that. Like, like he, yeah. Do you have any uh, uh, tips or tricks other than what, than what I list listed? I would just say like not not a ton. Yeah. I would just say I would I would accept these these like these ways of failing mm-hmm. as uh I would accept these ways of failing as almost uh cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're early on, you need to be transparent with your customers and with with everyone that you're working with to let them know that like to let them know where you are with things. Don't oversell yourself. Don't undersell yourself and just let them know this is where I'm at. And, uh, if you're willing to take a risk with me, I will, I'll do the best I can and give you a great price on it or however you want to do that or make it mutually beneficial in some way. And then that'll help you grow as a photographer, but it also grow your portfolio portfolio to then market and expand upon. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of books, I mean, there's tons and tons of business books out there. I'm just going to point to two that I that I've. I is really one of liked. them one that I know? Uh, I think is you it, know both, but is the, is the one what we've what yeah, we've been yeah, reading? What we read, yeah. Awesome. So one is um the book I mentioned in the beginning, uh, the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. I'm gonna have to read it. I own it. Yeah, you own it. You gotta read it, Tom. Now love him, hate him, whatever about him. Steve Jobs was the person he was in that biography. Is a pretty clear picture of him. Um, mm. it, it's not sugarcoated. There's some bad things in there that he did, and yeah. there's some great things that he did in there. And uh, there's no other way to put it. He's people are complex. He was complex. Yeah. This book is about that. Yeah. And I think he was complex in a way that like, I don't know those early tech people. Yeah. There was some crazy stuff going on. There's still crazy stuff going on, dude. Sure. Yeah. I I, I guess. Yeah. I lived, I lived 45 minutes from Silicon Valley. I can tell you. Yeah. Stuff's still crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other the other book I, I want to recommend is uh, "Measure What Matters" by John Doerr. Uh, yeah, um, I second that. Yeah. It's been 
and that that one's gonna teach you about uh, what what Tom and I know about, which is OKRs, and what our yeah. what our boss uh, Ken Lewis knows about, which is OKRs. Lots of goal setting for sure. Yeah, these are objectives and key results, and I think this is a great tool to hold yourself accountable, have others hold you accountable, and kind of put in measure put in place those measures that will mitigate mitigate risk for you when it yeah. comes to failing. Now, the way, the again, w- again, you're gonna you're you're gonna fail, but yeah, this these tools that in this book, they're, they're definitely going to help you. out. I think we're in agreement here. Failing is a good thing. Yes, it is a good thing. It's, it, it's to me, it's inevitable and you're going to learn from it and it's yeah. good. And a lot of people will say, Oh, I know you shouldn't. That's not very popular. If like, you're not failing, you're not growing. Kind right. Of thing is it, what, how I kind of view it. And to anybody who's listening to this and they're just like, Oh, that's not very positive. Like, yeah, you're just all no. and like, no, it's not about not yeah. being, it's not about being negative. It's about being yeah. real. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got for recommendations. That's what I got for. I books. really like that book too. It is. A I good love book. It's a great measure book. what matters. It's it's one of those. I'm still burning through it. I'm reading it almost like I would a textbook in terms of, I'm reading a chapter, literally taking notes as I'm doing it, and then mm-hmm. reviewing those notes and kind of writing my thoughts and how that applies to what I'm doing afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of written like that. It's kind of written on like a case basis gives all of these different ideas and applies cases to them to reinforce those ideas. And I really like that. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, Hey, why don't you guys send us in? Here's, here's your challenge for the week. Uh, Send us in your experiences and your failures. Tell us how it worked. Tell us how it didn't work. Tell us how you adapted. Tell us how it morphed into something completely different that you totally weren't expecting and how cool that was. Um, you want to tell us those stories, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on, uh, Facebook, uh, on Instagram, we're at two weird camera beards. That's, uh, the number two weird camera beards or shoot us an email at two weird camera beards at mpex.com. And yeah. we'll, uh, if we have any cool stories, we'll share those with you guys next week. I think. It yeah. Would be I want to hear some catastrophic failures that then led to something like S- some yeah. amazing successes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be dope. Yeah. I'd love to hear something. Or like some that. just like yeah some funny like i mean sometimes it can get pretty hilarious like how things seem to like all pile on and catastrophically just tumble the level of stories i want to hear from from our audience yeah that level would be bonkers oh boy (laughs) we're bringing it back (laughs) bonkers is back all right uh so thank you everybody for listening today uh, you can always listen to us uh, on all the major platforms. <laughs> You're going to list them? I'm going to list You're them. You're going to list them. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and many, many more. So we'll, all of them. we always have our pod link, uh, link in the show notes and within our Instagram. Um, if you want to follow us, follow us at in, on Instagram at Two Weird Camera Beards or at MPEX underscore photo underscore video uh which is the midwest photo account and you can always we have the two weird camera beards account too just you know sharing fun little photos uh photos that are relevant to the episodes yeah so come poke uh, like if you want to poke and prod kevin and i directly two weird camera beards might be a good way to for us to keep this conversation going uh like outside of the podcast for sure and i dig that uh yeah so we also want to give a special thanks to our magical and marvelous executive producer, EP, Maddie, Maddie O'Neill, down there in Florida. Now, Maddie, Maddie manages our show all the way from sunshiny and sometimes rainy Florida. Yeah. Um, but Tom and I are two cats that she has to constantly herd. Me out. <laughs> <laughs> 
big shout out to the president of Midwest Photo, Moisha Applebaum. VP of Midwest Photo, Ken Lewis, who is Tom and I's boss. Uh, we didn't have any stings today, so we didn't have any of our coworkers chiming in. Yeah, and, just and a couple bonkers. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We we we, I mean, we mentioned a few. We mentioned Sonny Jones. Thanks, Sonny Jones. Yeah. Rob uh, McCormick. Rob McCormick, uh, customer here at the store. Uh, uh, Christopher Gilbert, we mentioned. Yep. Uh, also, uh, Matt Marash. Connor Quinn. Connor Quinn. We got the whole gang. Thanks for just being awesome, guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Tom, you have a quote for us. I do. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> uh, so this week it is from Roy De Carava, uh, going outside and meeting the challenge of taking what is and making it yours. That's what photography does for me. It's not the subject that interests me as much as my perception of the subject does. Ooh, I like that. The right? perception of a subject. Yeah. I keep that in mind as I have my camera this week. There we go. What are you it. shooting on? I'm, well, my Fuji and also yeah. the Canonette that I've got now. I was going to say, how much have you shifted over to the Canon? Well, it's really Ashley's week with the Canonette. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. See you guys. See you next time. Miss you already. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Toodles. <laughs>